This is a Federal News Network podcast. Now that the largest federal employee union has sued the government for hazardous pay duty, the question arises, how many employees outside those named in that suit might be eligible government-wide? For more on hazardous duty pay, what it's all about, and a little history, we turn to federal practice group partner Ricardo Pitts-Wiley. Mr. Wiley, good to have you on. Good morning, Tom. Tell us about hazardous duty pay. This is something that didn't just arise because of coronavirus. This is a long-standing principle. Tell us more about it. Well, hazardous duty pay or environmental differential pay is pay that is additional for performance of hazardous duties or duties involving physical hardship. Uh, And the types of employees that would typically receive this type of pay would be general schedule employees, as well as uh, prevailing rate or wage grade employees who do not already have uh, hazardous conditions considered in their job classification. And hazardous hazards, what are the hazards? I mean, would it be, for example, border patrol agents, people like that also? Well, law enforcement officers tend to have hazardous conditions uh, included in their job classifications. And so uh, law enforcement officers, by and large, are not typically uh, entitled to hazardous duty pay. They have other types of differential or premium pay to account for the, the nature of their position. But really what we're talking about in terms of hazardous conditions, we're talking about, you know, really rough weather, rough travel conditions, exposure to hazardous agents, whether they be man-made or naturally occurring. It can also include things like physiological hazards, like working at extremely high or low altitudes, doing uh, research underwater or out in space, engaging in flight simulations, those types of hazards. So is hazardous duty pay a permanent condition or something that is only in place while the hazard is in place? For example, if you're doing underwater research and it lasts three days and the rest of the time you're sitting in an office, would you just get hazardous duty pay for those three days? You would just get hazardous duty pay for those three days. That's correct. Something to keep in mind is if an employee uh, is working eight hours in a day and only one hour of that day is dedicated to hazardous duty, that employee will nonetheless be eligible or should be eligible for a hazardous duty differential or environmental differential for the entire eight hours that they work. So any portion of the day that they have engaged in hazardous duties, um, then they get the differential associated with that for the entire workday. And is there a standard percentage of differential pay for those periods under hazardous duty? Well, the Office of Personnel Management has developed a schedule for both general schedule employees as well as wage grade or uh, prevailing rate employees, which specifically identifies certain types of duties that are eligible for hazardous duty pay. And there are percentages that are attached to particular types of duties. So this is something that's laid out uh, in regulation and the agencies, individual agencies have the responsibility of determining which of their employees are entitled to hazardous duty pay. We're speaking with Ricardo Pitts-Wiley. He's a partner at the Federal Practice Group. So is it incumbent upon management then to designate that this person is receiving this pay and take care of it with HR? 
or is it incumbent upon the employee to say, hey, wait, this is hazardous. You've got to give me more pay here. Well, I would, I would say that it's, it's actually both. So as an employee, I would encourage an employee, if they believe that they are engaging in hazardous duties, to request hazardous duty pay. Uh, it is incumbent then upon a manager to consult with human resources and to determine whether or not that employee is actually entitled to hazardous duty pay. The determination about hazardous duty pay rests with the agency and not with any other entity. Got it. So that would mitigate then in favor of really super clear guidelines. So there's no mistake about it because you mentioned travel, for example. Travel to London might be different from travel to Kazakhstan or something. Could get pretty fine grained as to what is hazardous duty and what is just normal travel. And that's the that's actually the thinking behind you know entrusting the agencies to make these determinations. It's believed that the agency has the the best idea and understanding of what it, they're asking their employee to do uh, and what their employee has actually been exposed to. Now there are times where the agency doesn't get it right. And then the employee would need to take some course of action to address that matter. And what might those course of actions be? You know, one of those courses of actions may be actually filing a lawsuit. Um, and there's actually a lawsuit out right now uh, that's been filed um, in conjunction with the union, AFGE. Um, but it is uh, filed as a class action. Um, so I, I, I believe that there's going to be many more employees who add on as plaintiffs to this particular matter. Have you seen this kind of thing in the past? I mean, is, is the coronavirus, in your view, and you know, having a pretty large practice dealing with federal employees, are these types of requests or determinations on the rise right now, even with everyone going home and teleworking? Well, I think there's still going to be, well, let's provide just a little bit of historical context. So hazardous duty pay, as well as environmental differential pay, you know, they've been around since at least the late 1960s. Um, and they did include such things as biological or microorganisms uh, as being a hazard in the workplace. And, you know, these hazardous duty pay authorities have been used for other types of, um, other types of hazards, you know, like avian bird flu, anthrax, Ebola, so this is, you know, this is not a new application. What I think is going to be different about what's going on now is that COVID-19 is expected to have such a significant impact that even though a large uh, portion of the federal workforce may be teleworking, there's still going to be such a high rate of uh, exposure to COVID-19 that those employees who are required to go into the workplace I think it's going to increase their hazardous conditions, and thus there's going to be uh, much more of an outcry uh, for people to receive this differential pay. And this could have a long tail. Suppose the major part of the pandemic is over in a couple of months or three months or whenever, and the public goes back to more or less normal, and they will then be exposed in the same manner as if they had been exposed during the height of it. But yet you really can't tell whether it's completely gone or not. So it would be difficult maybe to determine whether it is now hazardous at that point in the future. Well, I think we can consider COVID-19 to always be uh, hazardous until there's a vaccine for it. However, 
federal government agencies can take steps to essentially obviate the need for hazardous duty pay. And they can do that by providing safety precautions that reduce the hazard to a significantly low level of risk. In other words, if employees are equipped properly, if they have the correct and adequate protective gear and devices, then there's no longer a need for hazardous duty pay because the risk of exposure, the risk of infection has been greatly reduced. So I'm hoping that these federal government agencies will properly equip all of their essential employees to minimize the risk of exposure to an infection from COVID-19. Ricardo Pitzwiley is a partner at the Federal Practice Group. Thanks so much for joining me. It's been my pleasure, Tom. Thank you very much. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.